welcome and happy 2021, the first episode of Football After Dark. In the new year, we took... I mean, you know what? Whenever we take these really long breaks, just assume they're on purpose. Like, never assume that we're just not able to put out episodes. Just don't ever assume that. It's 2021. New year, new me. Yeah. We're we're out here. We exist. It's Wild Card Weekend. As part of 2021, it was our resolution to do what all of the fan mail has been asking us for. And all of the, uh, the fans out there have been pleading for us. We finally kicked Corey and Justin off the show. (laughs) <laughs> so that that was our new year's resolution um you'd be surprised how many fans actually ask for that yeah there's just the fan mail was just overflowing with requests to get rid of them and make the show just me and matt um like that one time when you and i just talked for like 30 minutes straight at the end of an episode that was apparently like and we almost like created a couple plays started a playbook yeah like that was that was our that's our most Easily our most famous segment, obviously. But no, seriously, uh, hope I you guys agree. had hope you guys had a good New Year. It's going to be me and Matt this episode. We're going to talk about Wild Card Weekend, and you know, just some of the stuff that we think. Uh, some of the stuff from Week 17, we're not going to spend too much time on it. I think a lot of people are probably sick and tired of hearing about Week 17 and a lot of the stuff that has come come from it. So try to spend more of our time talking about Wild Wild Card Weekend. Um, Matt, I know you have the NFL subreddit. You're our NFL Reddit king, basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I want to know just kind of just what's what's going on on Reddit. What's uh what's the big topic? What's the pulse? Yeah, what's the pulse on the Reddit? Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, Watt to Watson. Uh, NFL Films mic'd up. Uh, ah. JJ Watt apologizing to uh, Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry we wasted one of your years. And then uh, all the replies are JJ knows the feeling well. JJ gone. JJ was. <laughs> those are so like those are the replies. It's probably an emotional. Th- th- those are the first like top replies. Yeah, it's probably something emotional. I haven't actually seen it yet, but you know, like. J.J. Watt gives that impassioning speech the week before their meaningless Week 17 game, and the team plays their heart out. And I, I think we've you know mentioned it before, but like the Texans as a team might suck, but statistically, this was Deshaun Watson's best year of his career so far. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like, absolutely ridiculous. It just it just goes to show that like great a great quarterback having a career year is you know if your team's bad man like there's not much you can really there's just not much you can hang your hat on even if you're having a quarterback with having a career season who put up pretty darn good numbers and you know did here's the thing though the one thing you said like did they play their butts off i mean derrick henry ran for like two thousand yards in a game well, yeah, I'm, their defense couldn't stop a turtle, but like offensively, they kept up. Man, and and ma- Cooks and Cooks doesn't want to get traded anymore. I'm sure we have all heard about that. He, he caught some big balls. <laughs> he's, he's David sick Johnson of being, played sick well. Sick of being traded, man. I don't know. I feel, if I was if I was in Brandon Cooks' position, I would want to keep getting traded because every year he's on a new team. And every year he gets a thousand receiving yards. 
he he already has the record, I think, for most teams with a thousand rece- like reception yards. Why don't you just keep it going? And, you know, get just play for all thirty-two teams somehow. Like uh, you'd have to play for thirty-two years. It's not possible. Like, oh no, it's a hundred. Like, it's a hundred percent possible for Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks just, is going to do it. Stroll him out there at sixty-six while he's playing on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Set set him set him <laughs> set him in the corner of the end zone and have uh have the quarterback just heave it to him from the fifty. No, everyone forgets he's back there. Because he's so old and decrepit. Yeah. <laughs> Man, poor Brandon. <laughs> now I did see I did see the video of, of Watt and Watts. It does suck, man. Like as much as I hate the Texans, you know, I mean the, the source of me hating the Texans is kind of gone now because Bill O'Brien's gone. And I just think it's kind of funny that how many head coaching vacancies are there? I think there's like six or seven. And there's a lot this year. Yeah. And the same like eight people have all been like asked to be interviewed or requested an interview for these seven teams. So like the eight can't and, and like most people know who they are. It's Brian Dayball. It's Robert Sala. It's I think Wink Martindale. Uh, there's a couple people trying to get Arthur Smith from Tennessee you know, all of the names that, you know, have just been kind of circulating throughout all of the coordinators and, and things like that. Uh, Matt Eberflus from the Colts. And literally every single team that has a head coaching vacancy has interviewed all or as at least requesting to interview all of these guys, except one. And the one team that has requested someone that no one else has requested is our good friends, the Los Angeles Chargers. And they sent oh, out. Oh, I know inter- what you're about to say. They sent out an interview request for our friend, Coach Clap, Jason Garrett, <laughs> who was the offensive coordinator for one year for a New York Giants team that ranked 30th or worse in just about every single offensive metric. I, I just, I can't. And I. I- and look, maybe, maybe they're just trying to baby step themselves forward. They can't get to 500. <laughs> so they'll bring in Jason Garrett so they can go eight and eight for a few years. <laughs> I, I've been, I've been on Twitter just like begging the Los Angeles Chargers to like not let Brian Dayball go to another team because, like, if you really think about this year and what Brian Dayball has been able to achieve with Josh Allen. If you then take that and then you transfer it over to, okay, now do it with Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert is already better than what Josh Allen was when Brian Dayball first got him. Like that would, that would be insane, right? Like that would just be crazy. So I'm, Hoping, I know you're not, but I'm hoping that the Chargers are just doing it to, I don't know, maybe like throw teams off, make maybe make another team think that they should also be interviewing Jason Garrett. I don't know if that's going to work. So, so some of the top comments I looked for that post and read it. Hiring Garrett would be an all-time Chargers type of move. Oh my god! Just the ownership. People, the Chargers fans hate their ownership already. Yeah, their but ownership's like, pretty bad. Their GM's not bad. He's he's pretty good. Their GM's a pretty good 
pretty good scout. I mean, when you really think about like the talent that that team has collected over the last couple years, I mean, they're pretty the Giants- good. A Giants fan commenting, take him. He's great. You'll love him. Here, I'll even drive him to the airport. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude. Good old Coach Clap. Man, he needs to be. He needs to go back. He just needs, to go, he just needs to go. What? He just says, why am I clapping in the club right now? <laughs> <laughs> he needs to go back to Dallas, dude. That was like my favorite timeline. Just the Jason Garrett-led Dallas Cowboys. We, we won't appreciate the Jason Garrett-led Dallas Cowboys until many years after they are they are a memory. Because that's still, like, it's still pretty fresh in, in Dallas fans' minds, I think. Like, you know, that whole, what was it, like, eight years he was there? And, man, like, the memes and just how horrifically average they were. It's just something to... I don't know. I think it's something to aspire to be. You want to be as just above average as the Jason Garrett-led Dallas Cowboys, who, by the way, uh, did miss the playoffs. I will. I won't lie. There was a part of me that really wanted Dallas to make the playoffs. That would have been kind of nuts. Like d- just to have after the year that Dallas has had. Where they've gone stretches looking absolutely, I don't even know, just like absolutely inept in multiple phases of the game, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, now they're in a position to make the playoffs. Obviously, they didn't twofold because the two things that needed to happen didn't happen. Um... But yeah, I, I just think that Dallas missing the plus. See, that's the thing now is okay. So you go, what did they go? Six and ten. They went six and ten. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are assuming now that you know they're going to bring back Dak. I think you saw enough from Andy Dalton that you know you can't just throw Andy Dalton out there with these receivers and expect to you win. Can't, you can't throw literally just anybody out there. It, maybe Dak meant something to this offense. Yeah. He was, believe it or not, if you take just, and I know this isn't a fantasy show, but if you take, like, average fantasy points scored per game, Dak still finished the year number one. I think he averaged absolutely insane. Yeah, I think he averaged like almost 29 fantasy points per game based on like your scoring. Obviously, it could differ, but I think like right. on base scoring, I saw Scott Barrett tweet something out that like he was still the highest average. Um, obviously, he wasn't quarterback number one. Josh Allen was quarterback number one. But I mean, if you're Dallas, I don't know. I mean, maybe you bring Mike McCarthy back. And see what happens with Dak if you can get a full season. Maybe, you know, maybe not feed the ball to Ezekiel Elliott as much and mix in Tony Pollard more. And I don't know. I think I'm I'm pretty against firing a coach after one season. You gotta like give at least one chance to get your feet on the ground. Especially after this year, by the way. Oh yeah. The only time I'm okay with it was when you know the Browns fired Freddie Kitchens because like the team got worse. Right. They were an absolute joke, and that's why I was okay with firing him. But, like, with McCarthy, I'm not saying McCarthy's a good coach. I, I don't know what's going on with him sometimes, but, like, 
he showed flashes. The team showed flashes. And if they could have been healthy all season, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, speaking you know who, well, go ahead. Go you ahead. know who was mostly healthy all season? Who's that? The immortal one who uh, was on record saying he's open to playing again in 2021. Who, Frank Gore? Yes. He said he's not retiring. Man. <laughs> I want to say something really mean. But, like, I can't. Dude, he, like, I, I guess. I don't... There was this big debate about him I saw on Twitter where it was okay. like, is he a Hall of Famer? And some people were like, they need to make a separate hall for just Frank Gore, which is just like the hall of, oh, what did the guy say? It was like the hall of longevity. <laughs> like, not necessarily the hall of fame, but like a separate hall just for Frank Gore. Of like, this is just a human being who just would not retire. <laughs> just would never retire. And he ends up, you know, in the top five in all the categories and stuff like that. And, oh, man, I don't know, dude. I'm just very mortal one, dude. I'm sick of Frank Gore, dude. You're sick of I'm two sick yards of, and a cloud of dust? Yeah, I'm sick of that. I hate that shit. <laughs> that stuff's annoying. Mm. What I was going to say, speaking of immortal was our guy, your guy, future NFC, not even NFC, NFL comeback player of the year. And you know what? If if, if there's going to be, I'm looking at the NFC, and if there's a team like that I had to pull, how could you not pull for the Washington football team? To make it to far. win a playoff game, right? Yeah, like how for Alex Smith's like just everything. The fact right. that he made the playoffs already, but like if Alex Smith could then win a playoff game, right? On top of like all the stuff with Ron Rivera, and you know he's taking IVs at halftime to help battle his, you know, help battle his cancer and stuff, and you know they had the they had the hiccup with Dwayne Haskins, and he's gone now, and. You know, they'll they'll deal with that, I'm sure, whenever. I'll bless you. I'll bless you. Thank you. And I bless you. Sorry, thank you. Big sneezes. But man, your yeah. your guy, Alex Smith. All right. I, I gotta ask you this. And this hey, what's is up? this is gonna be a tough question, man. Okay, okay, okay. I, I I got I'm not making it easy on you. All right, I'm ready, I'm prepared. All right. Would you be okay with the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl and losing if it meant Alex Smith got a ring? Oh. I know it's I'm not making it easy. It's I know it's hard. But if you knew, like you knew that that's going to be the team they play, that's going to be who the Chiefs play and they're going to lose to the football team, but Alex Smith would get a Super Bowl ring. Would you be okay with that? I know it's hard. I know, I know I'm tugging at your heart. I'm tugging at your heartstrings. Oh. Oh. 
If I know you, it, it, if it, I know, yeah. if I know you like I think I know you, uh huh. I think you would be, you would be upset, but like you would also be so emotional that Alex Smith got a ring that I think it would override it. I think I would cry for two reasons that day. <laughs> like like crying after the super Bowl, like god damn it we lost but then you see alex smith up on the podium holding up the super bowl trophy i think that's i think that would be it i'd be like mf and everything being really salty angry and then watching him hold the trophy i'd be like fuck man that's my boy oh man i mean hey he's you know he he brought the chiefs back from obscurity man he really did so, I don't know. I just thought that, that it was just an interesting, like, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to ask Matt if he'd be okay with them losing to the football team if him and Alex Smith won a Super Bowl, but. Be something else. Um, Well, do we want to, before we get into playoff teams, you want to talk about some more stupid stuff? Oh, I'm always down to talk about stupid stuff. All right. Uh, did you know Daniel Jones had the same amount of touchdowns as he had fumbles this year? No, he didn't. He had 11 touchdowns and 11 fumbles. How do you fumble 11 times? I mean, How do you fumble 11 times? Oh, he also leads the NFL with 29 fumbles since he's been in the league. He's done this while playing in less games than any of the other top six guys behind him on the fumble list. Oh, my God. You know, it's funny because Max Kellerman on first take refers to him as the fum the fum well no it might have been nick Wright. they refer to him as the fumble the fumbliest fumbler that ever fumbled <laughs> and, and i heard that like at the beginning of this year right like i i heard them call him that and i'm like i mean yeah uh-huh. but fumbles aren't really sticky fumbles like differ from year to year like you can't bank on this kid always you know fumbling a whole bunch and then it just totally didn't happen <laughs> he totally just led the league in fumbles again so, I don't know, dude. Like, do the Giants just, like, roll with him? There was, look, man, there was a period of time where who, they, who else they, are they going to roll with? What, what, what draft pick do they get? Do they have a top 10 draft pick? Are they even going to, like, attempt to get another quarterback? I don't. Are, Colt McCoy's not the answer. No, 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 no. I think they're in the top 10. I'm not sure. I don't have a draft list in front of me. But, I mean, if you go 6 and 10, I have to imagine you're picking up pretty high true and what do you do where do you think like justin fields goes you know so i actually you know what let me find it um i know we're a little early on this but i actually before we talk about the fan the before we talk about the playoff games um i think there's you know i know it's the playoffs and i don't want to undersell the playoffs but i think some of these games are gonna be a little messy (laughs) If you want to put it that way. Um, you don't say. Yeah, but we'll get to that in a second. So a couple days ago, I sat down with um, my younger brother, and we were just talking about teams in the NFL outside of Jacksonville and the Jets, like the obvious ones. Like the Jack- Jacksonville's going to take a quarterback. Jets are either taking one or going or trading the pick and keeping Sam Darnold, you know, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. But I I went through the whole NFL, 
and or at least the like the the teams in the NFL that it's a maybe, right? Just like a maybe, like it's not a guarantee. Like they could take a quarterback, they may not. You know who knows. And the five teams I came up with were Atlanta, Carolina, Detroit. All of those teams obviously pick in like the top eight, right? Right, right, right. And then we have Minnesota and San Francisco. So obviously the deciding factor here is the quarterback contracts, right? And whether or not, you know, how movable they are. Does it make sense to move off of the guy? You know, whatever it is. So let's start with Atlanta because I'm seeing a lot of people mocking Justin Fields to Atlanta. And I don't know. People were ready. People um, were saying they were going to get rid of Matt Ryan last year, and I, I don't, I don't think he's gone yet. He he shows that he can play well. How how old is he? Is he thirty five, thirty six? Well, he's. I think he's thirty. I think he's thirty five. So here, okay. here's how Matt Ryan's contract works out. So his deal is through twenty twenty three, right? Okay. Now his potential out. In other words, like. The most beneficial out for the Atlanta Falcons would be after the 2021 season. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they couldn't take a quarterback now, but what that would mean is Matt Ryan is completely immovable before June 1st. And if you guys listening don't know what June 1st is, June 1st is the first day of the league year when transactions can happen. Um, he's immovable. Like, if you try to move him prior to June 1st, He's going to cost you like $40 million worth of dead cat money, right? It's impossible. Um, it's slightly better after June 1st. The cap hit would be stretched out between 2021 and 2022. Um, but I, I, I don't see the Falcons, especially like if they keep Raheem Morris, which I think a lot of people think they may. Um. <laughs> I can't see the Falcons doing it. We always talk all the time on the show about how the Falcons don't do things proactively. And that would be a proactive move for a non-proactive franchise. So I'm just not inclined to believe the Falcons would do it, right? I just don't think they're going to do it. Because unlike um, in, in, in a, if you, like, you want to like pseudo compare situations, uh, you can look at the Lions and the Falcons and being in similar situations. Veteran QB, decent weapons, new coach coming in Matt Ryan showed he still has something well uh, you know, even without Julio Jones r between Gage between between uh Gage and Ridley he still showed something he still has an arm he made throws he didn't get hurt no whereas uh, if I was gonna say what the teams that I think would be in the running is <clears throat> excuse me 49ers and the Lions. I don't and even really care man, too much about the other team. And sure, holy sh and man, would you would <laughs> those are the two teams that I have down here that are the I circled them <laughs> because Carolina. Because here's the other one. Okay, so Carolina. Because people talk about okay, they're going to take one for Teddy Bridgewater, right? His contracts right. through 2022, decent right. savings if he's, but he's not very expensive. And I really don't think a team. In Carolina, who has this year in COVID, the COVID, the COVID season, right, had a new head coach, mm -hmm. a new quarterback, and a new offensive coordinator. I don't think Matt Rule is going to want to do that again, right? Like he doesn't want to spend another offseason breaking in a new quarterback, 
right? Exactly. So I don't think Carolina. It, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't no, make sense. Doesn't there. doesn't make sense at all. So uh, if we go to the next one that you didn't mention, which is Minnesota, of course, everyone always talks every single year. It's always is Kirk Cousins going to come back and be a Minnesota Viking, right? Kirk Cousins cannot be released, period, end of story. If he is released, it's going to absolutely destroy um, Minnesota's cap space. Can't do it, right? Mm. Now, there is a decent trade value after um, June 1st, but... Again, we have to remember, Kirk Cousins played well this year. Kirk Cousins was not the problem. It was their defense was the that defense. was the problem. Their defense was yep. the big issue. So I don't think Kirk their Cousins, defense finally regressed. Right. Um, so that leaves us, man, you're, when I tell you this, you're going you're gonna to shit. That leaves okay. us with Detroit and San Francisco. So obviously Matt talked about Matt Stafford, veteran quarterback, um, you know, had a ton of injuries this year, battled through them all to play, you know, whatever it is. You know, it's fine. But his but he, didn't look, his, he didn't look the same. No. Now, his potential out is this year. Any release or trade, okay, any release or trade prior to the league year would save about $10 million. But if they trade him after June 1st, the Lions would save $20 million of cap space. So... There's a chance that we see a situation where Detroit drafts a quarterback because the draft is in May. And then potentially when the league year starts, we see Stafford traded. That that could potentially be something that we see, especially because St- I don't know, mate. I think you've seen enough from Stafford that I think the Lions are going to move on, especially because the Lions really are starting from scratch, unlike it- you know, it feels it, like they're ready to just fully clean house. Yeah, like they're gonna fully clean out everybody and 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 you know that type of situation. So then we get to San Francisco. You're gonna think this number is not real. Okay. After this year, okay. Okay. Try to guess how much money Jimmy Garoppolo, how how much guaranteed money Jimmy Garoppolo has left on his contract in 2021 and 2022. How much guaranteed I mean, money is left? I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't even have much of a guess because I can't remember his original contract. $4 million. Oh, that's it, huh? Yeah. They owe him $2 million a year in guaranteed money. That's it. Wow. They, they, okay. they would save $25 million over the course of, mostly over the course of this coming season, but the next season after that if they got rid of Jimmy. So, that being said, I think mm-hmm. that the two teams that we need to talk about are Detroit and San Francisco. Now, the thing is, is although Stafford is an older vet, I think Stafford's still a starter. Like, I still think Stafford can go somewhere and start. Right? At least, right. I, think, I, think, at least I think so. So I think he could be he'd, he'd be like a, he'd be like this year's Philip Rivers. Yeah, definitely. Or next year's Philip Rivers, you know, go somewhere else serviceable, maybe get them to the playoffs. I don't know. Not that he'd be able to win them a playoff game because like couldn't do that with Detroit. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. And I, and I teased this. I think I talked about it one day in our in our group chat, maybe was I think the most logical spot. For Matt Stafford, 
right? He's a veteran quarterback, wants to probably go to a stacked roster where he can win now and, you know, whatever. I think the move is Denver. I think Denver is... When you really think about what Matt Ryan would be walking into, he would have a situation where he gets Cortland Sutton. He means Matt Stafford. I'm sorry, yeah, Matt Stafford. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) No, yeah, you're good. He gets Cortland Sutton. He gets Jerry Judy. He gets Noah Fant. He gets Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. He gets a uh, a Vic Vangio defense, which, by the way, was hilariously banged up this year and still played well. Like, was still a top, what, 12 defense, despite all the injuries they had? Yeah, very surprising. And it's not something you'd expect. No, which just goes like, Vic Vangio is a very, that's very good... That's why Vic Vangio is keeping his job. Right, yeah, that's why Vic Vangio is keeping his job. I think that that move, to me, makes the most sense for Matt Stafford. Now, that means that Denver is now not going to take a quarterback, and Detroit obviously would, um, which could potentially be, you know the the target for the Jets to trade back with the Lions if they want to stay in the top 10 and maybe keep Sam Darnold. I don't know. And then the other one is San Francisco. And funny enough, it was announced, I think, earlier today or yesterday that the New England Patriots are not bringing Cam Newton back. Right. I, I don't see... Yeah, I, I thought that was we figured that was like a given. Yeah, but they, they did announce it. Yeah, so let's just hypothetically say it's not even hypothetical. Jimmy Garoppolo not going to go anywhere else. If Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be a San Francisco 49er next year, he's going to be a New England Patriot next year. I, I I don't see a situation where any other team would take the chance on Jimmy because of the injuries and because I think there's a league wide feeling that like. Jimmy only played not the guy that Jimmy's not the guy that like Jimmy only put up a lot of wins because he's operating in an offensive system that, you know, basically holds the hand of a quarterback. Right. Yeah. So I think from that in, in the reason why that's significant is because Jimmy Garoppolo and Matthew Stafford fill two of those gaps. Right. But when you think about this draft class, there's what? six guys that could potentially go in the first round. And off the top of your head, if you consider, okay, so we talked about those two. We know Jacksonville's taking a quarterback. Let's just assume the Jets don't take a quarterback and they do trade with the Lions and the, you know, the Jets roll with Sam Darnold for whatever it is. What other teams need quarterbacks? We're kind of, we're reaching like, we're reaching like the the top of the, the parabola, if you will, um, the NFL parody or everything comes and goes in waves. Sometimes defenses are better than offenses. Sometimes it used to be about running backs. Now it's about wide receivers, blah, 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 blah. For, for, on, on our way up the parabola, we had the old guard of quarterbacks that were really good. You know, your, your Roethlisberger's, your Brady's, your Manning's, you can throw in like Stafford, Cam Newton in his prime, all those things. And then we hit like the top <clears throat> of that parabola like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. When they started to get old, some of them were like Manning retired, Newton kept getting hurt, and we're on our way down. Quarterback, general quarterback play in the NFL sucked 
for a couple years. There's no way around it. You had, you had, you always have your standouts. You have your Russell Wilson, your Aaron Rodgers. You have your people at the top who are always at the top. But your mid tier, your like B tier teams had D tier quarterback play. It was just nothing. Yeah. Uh, or like the C tier was just massive. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's a better way to put. It. Like the C tier was just absolutely massive. So then you hit the bottom. Um, I forget what the parabola is when it goes up. I don't know if it's parabola both ways, but you get to the bottom of the <laughs> yeah, next whatever. one. Yeah, yeah. And, and so here we are. So many teams need quarterbacks. The last few years, we've had uh, four to five quarterbacks go in the first ten picks in almost every draft. Uh-huh. Almost every draft. And a, enough of them have turned into hits that now we're on our way back up. You, you have... At one point, it was like, well, what are we going to do when Roethlisberger, Manning, Brady, Breeze, uh, Rogers, blah, 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 retire, and there's no one left? Well, then you get Kyler, Allen, Dak, Mahomes, uh, Burrow. Herbert. Uh, Lamar. Herbert. Lamar. Deshaun Watson. Like, Watson. I fucking, the list goes on and on. All these quarterbacks are coming out and playing well. You have less teams at this moment in time. We're reaching the top of the parabola in, in an essence again, where there's so many good quarterbacks that there's going to just be more misses in the draft and less teams that actually even need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I uh, you, D- Dave, you're Dan- going to start seeing like the you're going to start seeing like the offensive lineman pick first overall again and stuff like that for a couple of years. Uh, Dave Damashek calls it quarterback saturation. Ooh, okay. I like that too. Yeah, I like he, that. He calls it true. He calls it uh, full, like true quarterback saturation, where <laughs> you just have every team's got a quarterback, or at least has some answer to one in the future. Um, I guess the 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 point that I was trying to make was like, if we're assuming all of these things, right? We're assuming that the the teams I mentioned don't take. I just can't imagine that the teams I mentioned, like uh, Atlanta. Minnesota, Carolina, take a quarterback in a first round where there are glaring issues on their team and they may not even start for a year, right? We have those two other teams that could very easily take a quarterback, move off of the one they have, but then the two quarterbacks that are on those teams, San Fran and Detroit, are going to go on and fill another spot somewhere else in the league. It, I kind of ended up in this spot where like, okay, the teams that need quarterbacks, here's the list. This is what I came up with. It was the two teams we mentioned, San Francisco and Detroit. Jacksonville, because that one's obvious, right? Jacksonville's obvious. The Washington football team, right? Because we don't assume Mm -hmm. that Alex Smith is going to be a quarterback, right? Indy, but a lot of people think that that's where Carson Wentz is going to go. Right? So, So now Indy doesn't need a quarterback, right? So, Correct. So that spot's gone. The only other one that I came to, the only other one, was Pittsburgh. That was it. That's it. That's four teams. And that's there's four teams and six quarterbacks. That's four. Yeah, that's four teams, and there's at least six quarterbacks in this draft that are going to be first round level talents. So, like, there's going to be this moment where, like, 
if all of this quarterback carousel stuff that I'm predicting is going to happen does happen, because there's no reason why it won't. Like, a lot of these teams could very easily move off these contracts, especially when you consider how tight the salary cap's going to be this year. To me, it just makes sense. Yeah, it just makes sense to me for the teams to start doing this. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Like, there's going to be some... There's there's going to be some first-round quarterback talent that doesn't go in the first round this year simply because not a lot of teams are going to need a quarterback. Unless Detroit literally does the thing that you just mentioned, where they just take, they keep Stafford and they just take somebody to sit for a year and, I don't know, just see if Stafford eventually just burns out, I guess. And a lot of people are sure like, oh, well, what about the Saints? The Saints have two quarterbacks on their roster that could very easily take over for Drew Brees. Like, whether it's Taysom or Jameis. And we know Tampa's not going to do it because Tom Brady wants to play for another two years. Yeah, the Tampa Bay's got a quarterback for a couple more years. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was actually kind of insane when you really broke it down and sat there and looked at it. And, like, we know Lawrence is going to go first. We know the next two guys are probably going to be Zach Wilson and Justin Fields in some order. My only my only concern is like I, I I throw fields out there, but again, how many more times can we get burned on Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL? I don't know. I mean, so I'll tell you this: Pryor, his, Barrett, uh, Cardell, uh, Haskins, um, Haskins. I totally slipped my mind about him. That's four, and I, I'm sure there's a handful more that like. I, feel this- I, I, I attribute to, like, the reason why that, like, when you look at college football and you have a team like Ohio State who perennially is top 10 and is, like, on the fringe of making the playoffs every year, but then they they beat Clemson this time, but they usually get clapped by the SEC mm-hmm. because, like, yes, they have the recruiting to keep up with the other teams, but their quarterback play is criminally awful most of the time that they need someone to go on a What's that? What's the, what the, what's the one guy from uh, PFF say? That, that he, they need to go on a Cardell streak. Oh, um, I don't know or who it is. Barrett streak. I don't know who it is, but I know I know that there is. Uh, maybe it's Sam. I don't know if it's Sam or not. Maybe Sam Monson says that. I'm not sure. No, it wouldn't be Sam because they do the NFL. It would be. Um, oh shit! What is Whoever, his name? It's, it's one of the guys on the main PFF podcast. Yeah, that they do. Yeah, I I don't know what his name is. He's like he's the main guy in charge of. Uh, the uh, the rookies coming in. I can't remember his name, but no, yeah, I know. He, he I, just, I feel the, I feel the same way about Alabama quarterbacks. Name me the Alabama quarterback that's played well. Tua didn't play good this year. That's true. The the difference I think with the, my only the only thing that when you compare it is Alabama gets enough of their recruiting is obviously really good. And their defense is really good, a, comparable to off, Ohio State. Ohio State best players in the NFL are all defensive guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes down to Alabama's like running back and wide receiver talent where uh, they're good enough or, and even like quarterback play because it's system styled. The, the, Nick Saban is basically, you know, Bill Belichick of college. He has a certain style that he plays mm-hmm. and it's easy to slot serviceable guys into that role. Whereas Ohio state, they're serviceable guys they're always looking for the next Lamar Jackson, but they're never quite good enough. Whereas Alabama always gets like 
the next B tier Matt Ryan, the guy who can stay. They get Alabama looks for Kirk Cousins. Ohio State swings for Lamar Jackson, and that's the difference. Yeah, I feel the same way. I I think that out of all the quarterbacks in this class, the two that I'm most concerned about are Justin Fields and Mac Jones for that exact reason. Like Alabama and Ohio State, even more so than Clemson, just absolutely dominate in those as like it, they dominate recruiting in the positions that make it easier for a quarterback. And mm-hmm. we've seen over the last, I don't know, couple decades that like these perennial programs, these Ohio States, these Notre Dames, the Alabamas, you know, Florida, even for that matter, like Michigan, like they don't put a lot of high level quarterback prospects into the NFL. They just don't. And, you know, a lot of these guys that are the best in the league, like freaking Mahomes went to, and like, I was listening, I was talking to someone about like, about Lawrence, right? And about how Trevor Lawrence never won the Heisman. And I was like, you do realize that Pat Mahomes never won a Heisman. Deshaun Watson never won a Heisman. Russell Wilson never won the Heisman. Like, Lamar Jackson, I don't think... Did he win the Heisman? I think Lamar Jackson won the Heisman. I think he did, yeah. Um, But, like... This idea that the like, Heisman the Heisman means shit to the NFL. Tim Tebow won the Heisman. Come on, right? Now. Matt Leinart won the Heisman. You know what I mean? Like it's not this like make or break thing that like a quarterback needs to win it in order to be, you know, a, a relatively good prospect. But I just think that those two guys are <sighs> Justin Fields for sure is going to go in the first round. I don't know about Mac Jones. I think a team could easily fall in love with that type of quarterback. He's the most traditional quarterback out of the bunch, just based on his skill set. And someone can convince themselves that that's what they want to do. You know, if they have the pieces around him that they think they can protect him and he can get the ball out into open space. But I don't know. I just thought it was fascinating when you really sit down and you look at the teams that are going to need quarterbacks if we're assuming this massive quarterback shuffle, the list really shrinks. And it's funny that two of the teams that are in the playoffs right now, Washington and Pittsburgh, end up being the teams that are on the list. You know, and who knows? Maybe, maybe Matt Stafford goes to Pittsburgh and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Matt Ryan goes to San Francisco. Like, there are other possibilities, obviously, but it's definitely it's definitely something I wanted to talk about. So, all right. That being said, no. let's let's get. Go ahead. No, I was just like wrapping up with you. I, it's insane to think about, and it's it's been on my mind for weeks now, or probably even over a year. The more and more, it's just something like the more and more I look at it, my whole quarterback paradigm parabola equation. You know, it's the dude, it's the what did I call it? Um, Quarterback saturation. Yes, the the quarterback saturation is reaching the tipping point. And at some point you're going to have more. So like Jordan Love got drafted by the Packers this year, sat behind Aaron Rodgers. And because they had to play for the one seed in week 17, 
Jordan Love didn't Jordan Love didn't play a snap this year. Jordan Love is the first like first round quarterback to not play a snap in the NFL his first year since Jake Locker in 2011. That's I did not know that. That's actually kind of insane. <laughs> Man, that, like that yeah, is, he, he that never is the state he never of the saturation. He never took the field. Just never no took it. Preseason didn't even play in didn't even play in preseason. Not that that counts for like this stat, but still, man didn't take a professional snap all year. Wow, wow, that's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, but speaking of the Packers and the playoffs, let's get to the playoffs wild card weekend. Uh, where do you want to start? Let's just kind of since we're probably not going to do another episode before the playoffs. Do you want to just roll through these games and? Just give our thoughts yeah, let's on each roll of them. Through them. All right, let's just let's yeah. just get let's get through these real quick. There's some of them that are going to have a little bit more, I guess, meat on the bone than others. Um, <clears throat> I guess we could start with the one that, for all extensive purposes, this is the one that I think most people are considering to be the most one-sided, which obviously is always the one that ends up being the one that's you know maybe a little different. Maybe it doesn't go the way people think. Um, Chicago and New Orleans. Um, are we giving the Bears any chance in this game? Unfortunately, yes. You think I am giving so? Them a chance. You're giving them a chance. All right, elaborate. They they are from the NFC North. <laughs> oh God! And, and 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 um, Mitch Trubisky has just enough Kirk Cousins in him. And the the way their offense, the Bears' offense, has come alive behind David Montgomery and and the defense waking up, Khalil Mack finally doing stuff. Darnell Mooney. Uh, I just, you can't. I hate. I mean, y'all are sleeping on the Bears, and they got Jimmy Graham, and you know you can't sleep on Jimmy Graham. <laughs> you know, isn't it isn't it kind of wild that like. We had to hear about that from Justin forever, and then he goes to the fucking Bears. <laughs> yeah, how do you feel about that, Justin? How do you feel about your your boy, Jimmy Graham, sleeping on the Bears now? Man. 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 Oh, he's going to put in something here. I hope he does. That'd be nice. Um. Anyway, yeah, I just like... I, I understand it's like a 10 point spread or nine and a half. Mm-hmm. I just, you can't, I, you can't, and they don't have, a, 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 do we know Kamara's, uh, we status don't yet. For this weekend we don't yet? yet. No, I would imagine he's probably going to be clear to play, but we do not know yet. I, I, will, I will say this. This looks like the type of game that, New Orleans would play badly, right? Because I think this is the same position that they've been in against Minnesota both times where they are the clear-cut favorite and they end up losing to an inferior quarterback, what a lot of people consider to be an inferior team. I just don't trust Mitch Trubisky against that New Orleans that New Orleans defense. Like Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky lit up all of the crappy defenses in the NFL for like four weeks. He lit up Houston. He lit up Detroit. You know, 
beat up on maybe that maybe that gave him the confidence he needed to beat up on the amazing defense of New Orleans. Or maybe they maybe he was just playing bad teams. I don't know. <laughs> uh, who's who's to say? I I, I don't know. I, I do know that while I think the Saints should win this game, uh, I'm I'm betting the Bears ATS baby. Okay, all right. I I I all right. You hear it here first. Um, let's get to another game that m- I don't want to say this is a one sided game because I think I think this other team can put up a fight. Indianapolis at Buffalo. Um. I don't know, man. Indy's Indy's like the classic example of like the longer get the game goes and the more off script he gets, the worse Philip Rivers is. But Indy, this like great Indianapolis defense got lit up for about three quarters by Aaron Rodgers. And then the Packers took their foot off the gas and let the Colts get back into the game. I don't think the Buffalo Bills have a brake pedal. Like, like I don't know. I mean, you have Josh Allen as the quarterback. You don't know what the brake pedal is, right? I don't know if the bills are capable of letting up off the gas. Like they put Matt Barkley in the game and they were still like chucking it deep. Right. Right. They They, didn't stop. Right. They were throwing the ball on first and 10 with play action to a tight end 20 yards down the field. Like I, I don't think the bills know how to stop. I think that they just, put the foot they put the pedal to the floor and they just don't stop until the game is over the um, the, the storylines in this game are like you said the bills not being able to stop uh unless the uh the talent on the Colts defense is able to stop them the Colts are top 10 defense they, they can they can you know keep up and then the biggest is i mean it, it's going to come down to Philip Rivers but Oh, I think it was quarterback rating or something. Whatever it is, if he plays at, at like a an above, I, you could say this about anybody, I guess. But like if he plays at a semi above average level over the course of the game, the Colts haven't lost a game this year. The moment he starts throwing one, two, three interceptions, they get blown out. You could say that about any team, I guess. But like it seems it, it is the success of the Colts is inherently tied. To how well Philip Rivers plays. Um, I will say this: Philip Rivers outdoors in Buffalo at Orchard Park in the middle of January um, doesn't make me feel any better. I think the see here's I just think the way this game is going to go is it's going to be relatively competitive for about a quarter and a half, and then. Like I said, the longer the game goes, the more Philip Rivers gets off script, the more you got to ask him to make plays. I just don't trust him. It's exactly what happened against Pittsburgh. They jumped out to a big lead. Pittsburgh started to put points on the board. They Philip was forced into a situation where he had to do more, try to get him back in the game, and he ended up throwing an interception and you know, it was it was bad. So, I I think I think you have to favor the Bills here. Which unfortunately means that Colin Cowherd's not going to get mustard and ketchup sprayed in his face. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, is it bad for that? I mean, I can't. Uh, angry and chain. I'm sorry, but I kind of want to see Colin Cowherd take it to the face. I kind of want to see Nick Wright take it to the face, but um, 
I'm on the other side of the fence. Anyway, uh, let's get to another <laughs> game. This game, not nearly as exciting as I think it could have been because Jared Goff's not going to play. Uh, Los Angeles at Seattle. The Rams, man. God, like there were times this year where the Rams looked like a Super Bowl team. And then there are other times where they basically just look like Pittsburgh West. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, like, tell me, me I'm wrong. That, that's a good thing. No, you're not wrong. And to me, that's a, a good thing that Goff isn't playing. You don't want you don't want that volatile. Vol- volatileness, volatility. You don't want the thing. You don't want that volatility. Just trot out the guy you played last week. Wolford. Yes, trot out Wolford. Uh, I'm saying. I don't know. Just do man. it. Just do it. Trust in the defense. Seattle. I mean, Joe. Ever since Russell Wilson trademarked "Let Russ Cook," he's you know been on ice. Yeah. Um, they've also played this team a, has not played well well I, I think there's one of two things I think a lot of people are misinformed about the Seattle defense a lot of people are like man like they've been playing really good this year or like really good since that um that game against Buffalo and then you like look at the quarterbacks they've played and it's like Colt McCoy and Jared Goff when he got hurt mid-game and Kyler Murray when he got hurt mid-game and like and even then, it's not like they've played amazing. They just happen to get the Ben Don't Break play of the year at the end of the game. Right. They did. And I don't know. I think there's something going on. I think I saw something where, like, Tyler Lockett's been, like, kind of banged up. So a lot of teams have been playing just, like, a lot of that too high, keep everything in front of them, make Russ hold on to the ball, and, you know, that type of thing. And I guess it's been working. So... I, I just don't think the Rams on the road with a backup quarterback are going to beat Seattle. I just don't. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to go by like intrigue, basically. And I think this is the we and we kind of already talked about this game. Tampa Bay at Washington. Bruh, should the Buccaneers be on upset alert? Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, I one thousand percent agree. The the Washington football team is the antithesis to what the Tampa Bay. Now Tampa Bay's down to Mike Evans, so already that's an ouch. Yeah. Number two, football teams got that defense. They got that defensive line. They get pressure without blitzing, and then when they blitz, they get insane pressure. And uh, that is what makes Tom Brady go oof, ouch, my old bonies. Yeah, man, that's it's that isn't that the uh, that's the secret sauce, right? Like if you can get, if you can get pressure on Brady with four people, y- you can take him down. And this is a team from the NFC East, and Tom Brady's playing against them. And and we've been shitting on the NFC East all year. It would only make sense that they would win a playoff game. Minimum one. Oh, man. And what what better, like, the mainstream media would go absolutely bonkers if, like, everyone was like, oh, man, everyone was praising the Buccaneers as a Super Bowl contending team, and they end up losing to the team coming out of the division that was the worst in history. Like, 
that would just be that would make headlines all of I I'm not gonna I'm not doing this just because I want Alex Smith to win a playoff game and I'm not doing this because I think it would be funny. I legitimately think Washington at home, Ron Rivera is a really good coach. If Alex if Alex Smith plays if Alex Smith plays in this football game, I think Washington's got a shot. Like a reasonably good shot. They do. It's like I said, they're the antithesis to what the Bucks do. Yeah. They have answers for everything that the Bucks try to do offensively. And what's interesting is that would set up a potential division if they win. Let's just let's just hypothetically say the two teams that we're thinking are gonna win in the NFC do win. I guess three okay. teams, but it doesn't really matter because New Orleans. But if Seattle and Washington both win, and the Saints win, which we assume they will, that would set up an Aaron Rodgers, Alex Smith, NFC divisional round game. My God. It'd be like, okay, this is like the Alex Smith revenge tour. He gets to beat the shit out of Aaron Rodgers, and then he can go on and whatever. In the uh, NFC Championship game and then beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Oh, it's happening. <laughs> you heard it here. Put Ma- him in the Hall of Fame. Put him in, put the, him ho- in the Hall of put Fame. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, all right. I, I like that we both agree. I like that we're both agreeing on the, the Washington-Tampa Bay thing. Um, God, and, and watch Tampa Bay just, like, roll the shit out of them. And I'm going to be real sad. They could. They could. Uh, honestly, they could. And realistically, yeah. they should. Yeah. But... Washington's their antithesis. They they can do it. They have the defense that can make Brady day really bad, and he's down on Mike Evans. They're down their best wide receiver. Yeah, it's true. You, you, okay, you, so you still got Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, and all that stuff, but like now you can just put the best DB on Chris Godwin when normally he gets the number two guy and can slot anywhere. Scotty Miller is your speed guy, but now he goes from your slot speed guy to your number two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And you have Gronk. I, I can't, like, you got Gronk. I don't know. It, their offense is still good, but you take Mike Evans out of there and a lot of things change. Wasn't uh, there a game this year that Mike Evans didn't play in? Yeah, well, the, I think I, even more so than the games he missed, I just think recently, the last, like, month... He's been like the main target for Brady. Like, well, they started they started finally clicking. Yeah. And and it, it was opening up uh it was opening up room for everyone else. And that's why Antonio Brown started coming on. Mm-hmm. I this know. The thing, like, they have they have a bunch of weapons, they have a bunch of depth, but I think not having Mike Evans just, you know, makes a gigantic difference. Right. I like I it's it's hundred percent true. All right. Let's get back to the AFC last two games. Um, Cleveland at Pittsburgh, uh, a rematch, literally from last week. Um, obviously, Pittsburgh didn't. What are the histor- taking out the COVID stuff, what are the historical uh, back-to-back week record things? I don't know, actually. Let me let me look that up. We, we, know, we know about like when teams play each other for a third time in a season or a second time in a season, how it like usually the team that loses – bounces back that sort of thing i just wonder what it's like when you just played a team all right so this is from 
Um, let's see. Oh man, okay, this goes back really, really far. Um, so this is how many times it's happened, I think? It's like one, okay. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It happened twice in 1993. Um, one, oh, two, wow. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15. It happened three times in 2009. Damn, I don't even remember that. Holy shit, we were alive for that. Yeah, we were. All right, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 times. It has happened. happened 17 times? Okay. 17 times. I can't believe it happened three times in a year, and we and we didn't realize it. Well, the more important thing about you know them playing again the second time is obviously. Look, man, I know I joke about Cleveland a lot, and I picked them to go to the playoffs this year. I said that if this was a normal off season, I felt like they could be the third best team in the conference, given their talent. Dude, that's this sucks. Like, if the Steelers go on to win this game because, you know, the the offensive line for the 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 um the Browns has to sit out and Kevin Stefanski, who might win coach of the year, and their play caller has to sit out, and Denzel Ward's gotta sit out, and they lost Olivier Vernon to a uh ace uh I'm sorry, an Achilles injury. Like, if you get to the like after all this time they get to the playoffs they win their final game to get in. And, and this to, is what they get as and, a reward. Right. And to have this be the result, like even as a Steeler fan, that just sucks. Cause that sucks. Because at that point, like if you win, like if the Steelers win this game, it almost kind of feels like, okay, well, like you should have won. Right. Right. But then on the flip side is if you don't win, then it becomes like, are you fucking serious? Like, you just played this team last week. They're, on top of this, the Browns, I'm pretty sure, are going to get to practice twice over the course of two weeks. Because they only got to practice one day prior to that Steeler game. Right. Which, by the way, could have lost. <laughs> that game could have easily went to overtime, and who knows what would have happened then. Well, if just touching on that game because it has relevance to this game, can we just like Mason Rudolph obviously didn't look that good, but what what what's the one? So what did Mason Rudolph do in that game against the Browns? Throw the ball deep. He threw the ball deep. So it's not a product of the offense; it's a product of who's running the offense. Ben can't throw deep, at least consistently. At least to the point where he's willing to do it. When he absolutely needs to do it. And I think I saw something where like the game against the Colts, that second half was like mainly Big Ben calling up plays. So it it like the blame kind of like flipped over to Randy Finkner. And like, I don't really care at this point whose fault it is. It just irritates me that we have to have this conversation every single week. About Pittsburgh, like, oh man, whose fault is it? Is it Big Ben? Is it is it uh, is it Randy Finkner? Like, who who's calling the place here? Like, this shouldn't be a this shouldn't have to be a discussion, right? You should just go out there. Right. You have great receivers. 
Cleveland is hilariously banged up on defense. Like, go out there and take advantage of it and throw the ball deep. Like, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Like, it's not like Mason Rudolph going out there fixed the running game at all, because it didn't. So, I don't know. I feel bad for the Browns. I I hope it's a competitive game, and I think it will be still just out of, like, sheer Pittsburgh ineptitude and Cleveland Browns just, like, heart and guts for making it to the playoffs and being there for the first time in 20 years. Uh, I don't know, man. If they're not going to – if they're not even going to have their co- – they might not even have their coaching staff for the game, which is just insanity. So – uh, it, it is, you know, unfortunately kind of on brand for the Browns. And of course, like, here they are in the playoffs and all this shit happens to them. I, at the very least, they, they went over the hump. They did. They went over the hump this year. At times when they should have looked like the Cleveland Browns, they didn't. You know, they fought and they made it. So, like, I, I feel like. If you are a Browns fan, no matter what happens, even if you happen to get killed in this game because you're missing eight starters and a coaching staff, you got to like the whole monotonous next year's our year or maybe next year. Like, you can actually like say that with your head up instead of your head down. And I think like that's a turning point in any franchise. And, and you see it, you see it all the time. I mean, once you like get like a proverbial you know monkey off your back in whatever style it is all of a sudden you know wins wins start a coming you when, when you see multiple uh franchises turn that corner and that's all it takes it sometimes you know it takes you 20 1999 so sometimes it takes you 22 years but eventually you turn a corner and then your window opens. Yeah, I definitely think that the whole next year's our year thing, I think it's more like, no, like this was the year. Like this was the year it finally happened. So, but yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see who's available for the the Cleveland Browns. Um, Hopefully, you know, some of these other players get to get in there and it's not as dire as it looks um finally the final playoff game and i don't want to say this is the one that is the most interesting but i think it might be i was gonna say it's the game of the weekend i think it is because when you consider everything that is happening in this football game with baltimore and tennessee so we have we we flash back to last year Obviously, Baltimore's the number one seed. They're running away from everybody. They're destroying everyone. Lamar Jackson wins MVP. They take a break in week 17. They take a break week 17. And then Tennessee walks into Baltimore and just basically annihilates them. Like Boat racism. Absolute boat race. Yeah, just boat races them out of their own stadium. Derrick Henry's running all over the place. And, you know, Lamar had a good come comeback. He put up a lot of yards, and they kind of made the game competitive at the end. But then, this year, right, this season, Baltimore had a chance 
to kind of take get revenge on Tennessee, and Tennessee did it again. Just did it again. Except this time, it was the inverse of what we usually see with Lamar Jackson, which is the, oh man, you know, Baltimore jumps out to an early lead. They start pulling those crazy, you know, those running plays, and it's hard to stop, and, you know, what are you supposed to do? And that happened in that game. They jumped out to a lead, and Tennessee just came back on them. Derrick Henry had that crazy man-child run where he ran through two people on the way to the end zone to win the game. So, like, I know we talk a lot about, like, uh, Kansas City kind of living rent-free in Baltimore's heads because of the last most or the mo- mo- couple, last couple seasons. Man, who's to say Tennessee doesn't as well? So I think they kind of do. Now, at the same time, when, when Tennessee clapped uh, Baltimore earlier in the season, it was on the downturn of... Baltimore season where they were kind of in the pits. Uh, they were starting to all the questions and their offense was getting too predictable. Teams could read their calls. Lamar Jackson wasn't playing that good. Uh, Hollywood Brown was dropping every pass that came his way. Mm-hmm. They, in a way, it almost feels like the Ravens are this year's Titans where they're getting insanely hot at the right time and they didn't rest they had their bad stretch in the middle of the season and they won out the only difference between you know like last year and this year titans ravens is that last year nobody thought the titans could do shit and then they surprised everybody whereas like this year it's like who look out for the ravens and and maybe it's a popular you know talking head point but kind of look out for the ravens they look they've started to look like they did last year but now they're looking like that at the right time instead of september october and i think that could be the difference um at the same time you know tennessee is going to do tennessee things it's not like they rested anybody in week 17 and when push came to shove they were able to push push derrick henry over 2,000 yards and then on top of that with what 30 seconds, 20 seconds to go. Tannehill's able to launch a 50-yard pass down the field to put them in field goal range to win the game. Like, Tennessee's insanely talented. I just... That's why that's why this game intrigues me so much. And it is a, the one I want to watch more than any other. I agree. Um, now, you, you put it perfectly. Everything you just said. Um, I... If I had to, if I had to lean in any particular direction for this game, t- man, Tennessee's defense is bad, dude. I mean, it's really, really, really bad. And that sets the stage for the Ravens to continue what they're doing. But like, the Titans don't quit. They just there's something about that offense that when they are backed into a corner. The, the the only time they got what they got blown out in one game this year, um, they got they they got um, they got blown out against Indy, right? And and they came back the next time and beat Indy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just I don't know, man. Vrabel is such a fucking good coach. 
He's a very good coach. I I never would have pegged him to be as good of a coach as he is. And any team that has a quarterback that almost throws for what Tannehill had what thirty eight, thirty nine hundred yards on the season. Mm-hmm. So they almost had a four thousand yard passer. They had a one thousand yard receiver in Brown and a two thousand yard rusher. You yeah. have all three of those things on one team. You're a threat. Yeah, it's um, it's by far the most interesting game I think of the weekend. And I don't know, man, like Baltimore could jump out to a lead early like they did in the first game. And Tennessee, like you said, Tennessee's just going to keep they're just going to keep running Derrick Henry. They're just going to keep chucking it down the field on play action. They're just going to not they're just not going to stop and they're going to keep trying to come back on you. And, you know, does that get into Baltimore's head? Does that I don't know, dude, I think this game is massive for it's massive for both teams obviously because it's the playoffs but the the level and the one thing we didn't talk about is and this is the last thing we'll say because we're already over an hour how big is this game for Lamar Jackson like if, I, if he goes over if he goes over three in the playoffs yeah I'm not gonna say it's career defining but it's up there because didn't Peyton went Oh, for his first four playoff games, didn't he? I don't know if he went oh for four, but I I think I it was he didn't have a winning record for a while, but I don't think he went oh for three or oh for four. But it's mm. been it was it was rough, but I I definitely think that this is this is career defining for Lamar Jackson in some in some essences. I think yeah, it really is because if he if he goes if he has to go into another off season of Yep, you played great. Yeah, how, but, he, he's running out of he's running out of uh, free rent. You know, he so many things live rent free in his head that he's running out of space. He can't take another playoff loss. No, no, he can't, and that's what's going to make it real exciting. So, oh man, it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun. But it's going to be the, it's, it's going to be floodgates if if. Once he wins that first playoff game, I think he can like just blow up. I think he could too. I think if you just get over that, um, same thing I said about the Browns is once you turn that corner, it is a different scale. Instead of like being mediocrity, you're on the heels of greatness. Once you turn that corner, you can't be stopped. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, I think the I think they're going to be exciting. I think the games are going to be great. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to it. Matt, where can mm-hmm. uh, where can they follow us? Oh, um, I think there's a Twitter page. <laughs> are you looking on Twitter to make sure the Twitter page is still active? Yeah, let me make sure. <laughs> Twitter.com slash fadpod. I think it's still. Uh, wait! Oh, wait! Oh, I'm oh, I'm logging in, filling dead air, logging in, um, changing. Okay, so home. Now, how do I how do I change to? There we go. Oh, we do exist. We're there. We're out there. Well, then there you go. That's where you follow yeah. us. Yeah, follow us on Twitter. 
Um, Twitter.com slash F-A-D-P-O-D. And same thing with Patreon, you know. Yep, give us, uh, you can go on Patreon and subscribe there. We have a couple tiers. You gotta there. keep the lights on. Yeah, we do. We still have the tier where you can be Corey's friend, uh, despite him not being on the show anymore because of all of your guys' uh, requests. That's okay. We're replacing Corey with this guy named Sonny. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've, yeah we, we we got this guy named Sonny who's going to come in and, and fill his uh, spot, so. But, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. And you guys enjoy the weekend, enjoy the playoffs, and we'll come to you for the divisional round. We'll see if me and Matt are right, and we'll get to see if we finally are going to have the Alex Smith redemption arc. God, it'd be so good. Come on, NFL. Let it happen. Tom Brady doesn't need any more glory. We need more Alex Smith. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, I love you. Uh, ooh. Yeah, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? Uh, I I guess I don't. Man, can you believe that?